welcome to this week's podcast of Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones. This week, an old friend stops by for a smoke, Jake the Snake Killer. As always, I appreciate you joining us and hope you enjoy the show. And now, it's time to light them up. Welcome to Cigar Talk, the podcast for cigar lovers. I'm your host, Rob Jones, and we have a very special guest today, Jake Smith. He is a, uh, I like to call him Jake the Snake Killer, because he <laughs> lives out in the country and uh, kills a lot of rattlesnakes. How you doing today, Jake? I'm great, man. Happy awesome, to man. be here. Hey, man, we're so happy to see you again. It's been too long. And uh, hang on a second, I'm going to adjust this mic down just a tad. And uh, anyway, I invited Jake over. He likes cigars, he likes whiskey, and he loves good music. So I figured what a perfect person to come over and enjoy the show and let you guys get to know him a little bit, too. So what have you been up to? Man, not too much. Hunting deer hunting season, been doing that, and cutting a lot of firewood, heating the house up. And well, this is the non-snake killing season. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be 70 today. It wouldn't surprise me. Is it really? Yeah, or almost. Wow. But would not surprise me at all if I don't see one. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, I prefer not to see them. <laughs> I'm not a fan of snakes. Uh, in fact, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I grew up in the country somewhat. Uh, in the summers, I'd go out and spend uh, in the country with my dad, and we would go out fishing or whatnot, and you'd always come across snakes. Well, I had an older uh, brother who... He has this incredible talent to make sounds like anything, and he could make a sound like a rattler. So we'd be walking through the pasture, and next thing I know, I hear this rattler, and I'm like on a 100-yard sprint. And I turn around and he's just laughing. And I, in the meantime, I've dropped all my fishing gear. Right. You know, I'm not thinking that's funny. <laughs> yeah, so, no. But hey, anyway, let's get started. Uh, I brought you a cigar today. I know awesome. you're going to enjoy it. It's a medium flavor. It's Aroma Craft Aquitaine. And I tell you what, it's a great stick. I know you haven't had this one, and I'm excited for you to try it. Oh yeah, <laughs> me uh, too. Now I teach everybody as they go. I know you're a. I wouldn't say a new beginner, but you know, you're not a cigar smoker all the time. And I didn't learn this until after I had already been smoking for probably a year. When you cut a cigar, make sure you just cut the tip off because there's another little layer of tobacco that just covers the top. And if you cut that whole cap off, it'll just unravel on you. Oh, okay. So, little secret there for you. Right now, on. We're using, uh, well, first to cut, we're using the Zycar XO, which is just my favorite cutter in the world. Sidecar is awesome. They're a lifetime guarantee. Uh, now we have to light it. I have an Alec Bradley burner, which is a soft flame, which I love. But here you are. Uh, when you do that, just kind of toast the foot just a little bit, just to like toast it. And then take a smell of what you get. Right there. There you go. That's nice, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now when you're lighting it, just kind of roll it around the tip there. And just easy puffs. And, of course, I do... I do expect that you know not to inhale, correct? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have to, you know, baby you mm -hmm. bend over the toilet later. And today I am smoking a La Grande Oferte from my father. It's also one of my favorite cigars. Now, see, you did not get that cigar lit at all. I'm going to show you how to do this. I didn't want to burn it too fast. Aha! Uh -huh. 
You see how high off the flame I am? Yeah. Don't put it in the flame. Okay. Yeah, you see how that's just cherry on right. the flame. That's how you want to do it. So I'll give you a little background about uh, the relationship between me and Jake. I guess I met you, what, about five years ago? Was that about how long it's been? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I work for a national transportation company as a supervisor, and we're doing interviews. And uh, we probably interviewed probably 50 people that day. And this guy comes walking in with, like, old work boots. Uh, he was wearing overalls with, I, I, in fact, I believe he was wearing, like, a blue-white plaid shirt underneath these overalls. And then he had, like, a farm hat on and these, <laughs> and these big black uh, framed glasses. And But what you noticed right off the bat was from his wrist down, from the cuff of his sleeve, was just this tattoo. looked like he just got out of prison. And the HR lady looked at me like, what the <laughs> hell do we have here? And, you know, I'm open. I'm very, I'm very open-minded because, you know, that doesn't define anyone. But anyway, we started asking questions, and it turns out that he had lots of experience in uh, the kind of work that we look for people to hire. And so, of course, I jumped right on the opportunity because he had the experience, had a great personality. But it was funny. At that point, I had only seen his wrist down. And so when we actually hired him and he came in, he came in one day and I seen his arms and his neck and his ankles. And I was just like, holy crap. <laughs> so my and my question was, so what are you going to get next? Oh. And he said... I'm not getting any more. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have it. You still have it. I still have it. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm only guessing you don't have any more room. I, my back is empty. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, shocker. And I've told several people about my favorite tattoo that you have, and you know which one that is, right? Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a, on his calf, he has a tattoo, uh, and I'm sure you've seen the picture, but Johnny Cash with his guitar slung around his back, and he's given the big middle finger. And yeah. I mean, that's a great tattoo. That's man. at San Quentin. San Quentin. Prison. Is that from yeah. my album cover? Yes. Okay. Well, no, that picture didn't make the cover. Really? Cause yeah. That, well, it was probably too controversial yes, back, back then. then. Yeah. yeah. It was the uh, double album, and it was in there, you, but it wasn't on the cover, that picture. Now... I listen to a lot of Johnny Cash off and on, but I don't remember specifically what's on that album. I, I'm a big Folsom uh, Prison listener. Yeah. So is it a lot of the same music, or is there yeah. something different on there? On San Quentin? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because he does a song specific to San Quentin. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. San Quentin, I Hate Every Inch of You. Uh, I don't think I know that song. Yeah. And the prisoners, you know, the cons are getting into it and stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. Folsom, did it have uh, Green Green Grass, a home on there? And I believe it did. Uh, let's see. Here, you know what? Let's let's take a little listen right quick. Here's a little Johnny Cash. We'll see what I think about this San Quentin. This is actually the song, San Quentin. And it says live from prison. Yes. Gets rowdy. All right, here's a little Johnny Cash. Let's see what this sounds still like. speaking to me. Could I have a glass of water? You know, Johnny Cash was such a good performer when he was at the prison. Oh, yeah. 
for one, he'd been there. Yeah. But he just related to those guys. He knew that, you know, what it meant for an entertainer to come in and do something for him. Yeah. And at one of these, I can't remember if it was St. Quentin Folsom, Merle Haggard was locked up at the time of the concert. No, he didn't. See it. No way. Yeah, and that jump started, and he looked up Johnny Cash when he got out. Wow. Yeah, true story. And nobody sings like Johnny Cash. San Quentin, you've been living hell to me. You've blistered me since 1963. I've seen them come and go, and I'm definitely going to be listening to that a little bit later. Yeah. And I, I love the, uh, did you see the movie? Yeah. For uh, Johnny Cash? Yes. Man, was that uh, Phoenix, Walking Phoenix? Yes. Dude, he did an outstanding yeah, job. Yeah, he did. So. And what a hard deal to do there. Oh. Oh, my goodness. Because everybody, or a lot of people know Johnny Cash. Oh, yeah. And, and if, people, you, if you're going to go see that movie, you know you're a huge fan. Yes. So you have a huge I guess performance to live up to. Yeah, expectations are high. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So anyway, back to the story about whenever I met Jake, we hired him, and uh, but it made me think. Just yesterday, I had to go up to West Texas to do interviews, and I got to tell you this story real quick because you know I remember just a few of people that I interview. I don't remember everybody, but yesterday. So we're sitting there, and we've got this big room. There's three different table, tables of people doing interviews. And so me and one of my co-supervisors are sitting at one table, and I call the next guy in that we're going to interview. He comes walking in. He's probably got like a 30 feet, 40 feet walk to get to where we're going to sit. He sits down, and uh, I tell him, here's how it's going to work. We're going to do this and then this, and then at the end, I'll open it up, and you can ask questions. And uh, he's like, okay. And then... Uh, he says to me, hey, man, I'm starving. Uh, those donuts over there, could I grab one? And I was just oh, like, yeah, man, knock yourself out. <laughs> so he walks over, grabs a donut, comes back and sits down, and through the whole interview, he's snacking on this. No. Donut. Yeah. Uh, was and he young? He was probably 30. I don't I don't know exactly, but he was about 30. But Old enough to know better yeah <laughs> and at the end of the interview i always you know say hey i appreciate you coming and shake hands when i reached to shake his hand he was like oh sorry i got this donut so he oh. has this donut and he doesn't even shake my hand did he get the job <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna leave that out <laughs> imagination <laughs> isn't that crazy oh my goodness the nerve that's hungry yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I thought. I thought, well, maybe the guy hadn't eaten in days. Days. You know, maybe. Maybe he saw that donut. Yeah, and maybe he was there for free food, not a job. Yeah, maybe. So. <laughs> well, that's what he, well, I will say. <laughs> so, anyway, you, you, we appreciate you joining the show. Appreciate you driving down. And uh, we're just basically doing a show. It's called Cigar Talk. And it's about cigars, but it's also just about, you know, the camaraderie, the relationships of people hanging out and smoking cigars and just what we talk about while we smoke cigars. So it could be we're talking cigars, but at the same time, it could be we're talking politics or sports or whatever. Right. And the thing about cigars is 
when you get together with someone who smokes cigars, you might be the far right Republican and Joe Blow sitting next to you may be the far left liberal. But it doesn't matter because we're just enjoying some cigar smoke together. Right. And at the end of the day, we're going to get together again and smoke again mm-hmm. because this is our bond. Yeah. And all that other stuff, it doesn't really matter. Right. And if you're so hung up on politics that you can't enjoy a good smoke with someone, you should steer clear of the cigar shop. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, because it's really just about building relationships and hanging out with people. Now, that, right. To me, that's what I love about the cigar lifestyle. Yeah. Is the people I get to know. And we need more of that. Talking, having honest discussions without anger. No judgment. And, yes. You know what I yes. mean? Yes, especially in politics. Oh, yeah, especially in politics. Yeah. And, you know, and when we, even when we get to the sports, because we all right. know right. that I'm a Cowboy fan. Right. And you're a fan of some team up in the middle somewhere, oh. you know. <laughs> Chiefs, baby. Hey, Chiefs. I will say this. I would have to say right now they're my second favorite team, not because they're winning. Uh-huh. Do you know why? Patrick Mahomes. Where did he play? Tech. Texas Tech. And he was born and raised in Texas. That's right. So yes. I'm cheering him on. He's playing lights out like he did at Texas Tech. Yes. And he's it just was, thrilled to watch. It couldn't have worked out better for me moving from Kansas City, lifelong Chiefs fan, huge Chiefs guy, and been down here about three, four years, I guess, when they drafted Mahomes. It couldn't have been better. Well, do you know who was going to draft Mahomes? Who? Cowboy. No. Who? The New Orleans Saints. Oh. They were going to draft him and have him let him learn. Under Drew Brees. Under Drew Brees. Uh, and then uh, you guys traded up and took that, that spot one pick before yes. them. Yes. I remember trading up now. Yeah. So, the coolest thing ever for a Kansas City boy living in Texas. In this part of Texas especially. Right. And tech. If, I mean, I mean, obviously University of Kansas Jayhawk. Fan, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a rough go, except during basketball. <laughs> it's not any harder than being a Texas <laughs> but fan. But my number two team, sorry K-State fans if there's anybody out there, uh, is Texas Tech. Well, For sure. I love Tech because I grew up there. Hey, And I used to go watch them back in the uh, Southeast Conference. Oh, yeah. Which was the Razorbacks. Yes. Man, man, when we played the Razorbacks, that was like the biggest game on the planet. Yeah. And, you know, back then, I was in high school, tickets were like eight bucks. Oh, yeah. So, that was when it was fun. Hey, do you know if they won last night? Who? Tech against Duke. I do Duke. not know. They were, given, they were ahead uh, against Duke. Well, uh, the cool thing about living in the present that we live in, if I could find my phone, I can actually look that up. Yeah, because they were giving Dukes two in the country, I think, and Tech was 12 going into last night. What? Yeah. Tech ain't lost. Now, now talking about basketball? Yeah. Okay. But Duke, Duke, I mean. Are they good? Oh, my God. Number one recruit, the number one and number two recruit in the country this year are both play for Duke, and Tech was ahead last I heard. But well, I tell you what, 
you jinxed it. Oh, no. Yeah, they got beat 58-69. to Oh. So Duke came back strong in the way. They won't fall in the rankings, though. That's you good. don't think so? No, not because Duke's, Duke's too strong. Yeah. I got you. That's a good thing. So, I wanted to throw out a plug. There's a new place here in Abilene called Curbside Cuts. And you know I'm a huge fan of anything to do with, like, uh, bus buses. Uh, someday I hope to live in a bus, travel the country, going to different cigar shops, doing the podcast live from wherever we are. But anyway, these two ladies have taken a bus and turned it into a barber shop. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. cool, man. So, and they send out like messages on Facebook where they're going to be. And so today they were in Abilene at the parking lot of the Red Robin. So you pull up, you go in, you get a full barber haircut. They did a great job. And I got to say, they were very underpriced, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, basically, I was there for 15 minutes. She was good. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Beer trims, whole nine? Well, she trimmed it. Because I get it so short on the sides, so you yeah. trimmed it right in here. But okay. I didn't want. The, I'm trying to let the rest grow. Okay. But my uh, a good buddy of mine who runs the cigar shop here in town, when he has a nice big beard, yeah. And she went. She did his trim, and man, okay. it looks nice. Oh man. So and nice. they're quick, they're easy, and they don't like yak yak all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That's a hey, barber. Barbers and barber shops are the coolest. Oh, the one thing, I mean, there's other, I would love to be a farmer and this and that, but I really, really wish I would have went to barber school because I can BS with the best of them. Well, see, I used to think the exact same thing. I used to want to be a barber, and it was like, I guess I was, uh, I had the insecure. Yeah. And I didn't want to tell people I was going to cut hair. Oh, yeah. You know what but, I mean? dude, a barber. A barber's cool, man. Man, dying. Well, I would say dying art, but it used to. It's starting to come back. It's coming back. It I is. got a buddy in barber school in Kansas City right now that's 35 years old. Oh, that's it's huge. That's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, do you, have you ever shaved with a straight razor? Yeah. Well, my barber back home used to. But have you ever tried to shave no, with No, 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 no. Let me tell you, it's hard. Yeah. It's not easy. Well, you're looking at it wrong. Well, in the mirror, right? right? Right. Well, I did it, and like one side of my face, mm-hmm. I did great. But holding that razor in your hand, trying to flip it over, it's almost impossible to do by yourself. Right. You all know, Jake has let his cigar go out. Yes, amateur. There we go. There you go. There. That's because I'm talking too much right, already. Right. Well, I've always known that about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about how it is living out there in the middle of God's country where uh, you live. Awesome. Awesome. You've been out there, what, two, three years? Uh, yeah, I think it's, we've been at that house and that place for three years. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about what we were going to talk about on the show today while you were here. And I want to tell people, you know, you live out in the country and, you know, you've got different livestock, Mm -hmm. you killed a lot of rattlesnakes and all that. But then I thought, if I say you live out in the country, people are going to get the wrong idea of where you live. Because I used to live up in Missouri, and if someone lived out in the country in Missouri, it's like 
fall was beautiful colors. <laughs> trees everywhere. <laughs> They've got lakes and streams. You live in a desolate place that grows no trees. No, none. I mean, it's just flat. Flat, cotton, fields is for a long way. And, it, and the wind blows. Wind blows constant. 50 mile an hour gusts this yeah. week. So I, think. I didn't want to give the people wrong idea that you yeah. live out in the country and it was like plush. Yeah, no. Easy living. No, no. Not for the faint of heart. No. And everything there <coughs> wants to hurt you. Out there in that part of the country, I think of the Dust Bowl period mm-hmm. of Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's just dust rolling. Yes. And I grew up in Lubbock, so oh, I'm yeah. very accustomed to the wind like that. And right. Do you know what a haboo is? Uh-uh. Okay. In, uh... That's a sandstorm. Oh. But in Lubbock, you can see the haboo coming from like 80, 90 miles away. Really? It's just wall of dirt yeah. coming at you. I remember that in uh, Sweetwater, Texas. Yeah. And I thought, uh, I told the guys that were all Texas boys from that area, and I said, man, it's fixing to rain its ass off. <laughs> No, Yankee, it's a, it's a dust storm. Never seen it in my life. It's crazy. Yeah. If yeah. you've never seen one, uh, look on YouTube and see it. It's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like a probably about a 400, 500-foot wall of dirt coming yeah. at you at about 70 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's crazy. Now, I'll tell you this, though. I've actually been in one of those that also mixed in the rain. Oh, and it's just throwing mud. Uh, Your car is yeah. covered in mud. And I'll tell you this, in a Habu in Lubbock, Texas once, I went into work, and it was like 7 in the morning, and we had a windstorm come in with all the dirt. And I was inside work for like nine hours. And when I came out to my car, my car windows were up, doors were locked. I get in, and I'm not kidding you, there was about an inch and a half of dirt piled up on the armrest of my car, the window seal. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. I that, mean, it's sandblast. Yeah. It's something to see, for sure. Well, it's something to see once. Right. That's why I no longer live in Lowe, Texas. Right. I love the town, but I could, yeah, never, cool I could never live there because of the weather. Right. Right. The cold. They Hate just it. got a bunch of snow. Bunch. They do get a lot more yeah. winter than we do. Yeah. We didn't get anything out of that last one. I think they got like 18 inches. We got some snow. Y'all oh, y'all. Snow? No. It stopped at about halfway between here and there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Real close, but no. Well, we got snow in the morning, but it was, in mm-hmm. fact, it was on my day off, and I was uh, laying in bed at 8.30, and my daughter comes running in there telling me oh, it's snowing yeah. until I got to get up and look at it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was like, ah, seen it. Yeah. But, <laughs> seen it. <laughs> I'm going back to bed. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, so are you still going back up to Kansas City pretty regular? No. No. No, not near as much. Because you used to go all the time. Yes, because of my oldest being up there still, and she has since moved to beautiful Winters, Texas. Oh, so she's right there. Yeah. Nice. Five, five miles from home. Well, I saw your grandmother had a birthday. Yeah, 94. 94. Killing it still. Well, what's her name? Doris. She looks like <laughs> she awesome. has lived some stories. Yes. Single, well, not single, but uh, widowed mom that raised six kids with my mother being the oldest, and she was 16 oh, when wow. my grandpa passed away. Oh, so, okay. And she was a and secretary. she never remarried. Never remarried. Never went on another date. Wow. 
and raised six kids. And how old was she when he passed away? My my mother was the oldest. Oh, no, your grandma. Yeah, I'm trying to think how. Gosh, I'd be lying probably if I told you, or if I tried to guess. But young, I mean young. young. So she she basically raised the family. Oh yeah, by yeah, herself. Yes. Okay. Uh, and is uh, she still up in the Kansas City area? Yeah. Well, she's about two hours west, northwest of Kansas City now. She lived in the same house for 54 years in Kansas City. Nice. Yeah, bought it brand <clears throat> new and lived there for 54, 55 years. And, uh, so is your whole family from that area? Yes. Yeah. And, like, where was your grandmother from? Oh, she was actually from Lansing, Michigan. Oh, lived okay. in France. Really? Yeah, lived in France, Holland. Uh, but she grew up in Lansing and Wisconsin. Went to college at Michigan State. Was a, a competitive swimmer. Still diehard Michigan State. So where did the genes falter that you didn't get any of that. No, I know. I know. And if you saw me swim, it'd really be true. I'm in the same boat. Yes. I mean, yeah. you've seen my dog. Oh, yeah. Me and, me and the dog are about the same when it comes to swimming. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, yeah, no, she's, she's still doing awesome. Loves her St. Patrick Mahomes. Nice. Yeah. Big chief oh, yeah. Royals, huge baseball. Huge baseball. Speaking of baseball, this is the only thing I can brag about baseball. Okay. My wife's cousin is Thor. Do you know who Thor is? The ball player? Syndergaard. Yeah. Yeah. No the way. The pitcher for the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dude, my. how awesome is he? That dude rules. <laughs> dude, that dude. Have you ever watched the uh, video? Where they eject him. Yeah, he throws it behind the batter. And the the ref or the ump is automatically like, you're out of here. And he's like, what? You're throwing what I do? Yeah. Dude, I love that guy. Used it by him. Yeah, yeah. He said, oh, you're kicking me out for throwing a fastball? We threw it behind him. Yeah. Uh, and it was yeah. about two feet behind yeah. him. And it was high. Yeah. It was up head level. Because you know if you're at the batter's box and that ball comes whizzing that way, uh, it looks like it's coming right at yeah. you. Oh, yeah. That's classic. Do you yeah. ever talk? Anybody ever talk? It's actually the way it works is... It's, and I, I could be mistaken on this, but I believe it's my wife's mother's cousin. So they're actually second cousins. Oh. And, but, uh, we got signed autographed baseballs from him. He's, he's awesome. He's awesome. Awesome, awesome. And he's so young. He's yeah. got a long career. Oh, already. yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, if we could just get him to come down to Houston. Oh, oh yeah. Dude. Yeah. That, that's what, that's what they need. If they yeah. had him, they would have went all the way. Right. Right. <clears throat> in that, my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I root for them, too, man. I do, too. I'm a huge... Really, that's really the only baseball team I root for other than yeah. the Mets. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and that's because I lived there for 12 years, and me and my buddy Jeff used to go down there, and, like, for a 7 o'clock game. We'd meet for lunch at 1, then we'd run down to the bus stop, which is a little bar across the street. Okay. And we would actually play shuffleboard, shuffleboard and we were school. so good that we were... Well, I wouldn't say we were great. We were... We were playing these young college kids, yeah. and we were playing them for beer. So uh, we'd go down there and drink free beer for like two or three hours before the game playing shuffleboard. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. Cool. Shuffleboard is the greatest. I love that. 
Hard yeah. to find. Oh, especially a good table. Yeah, good really? table. Yeah, the little short tables. Yeah, no bueno. Uh uh-uh. uh, they uh, at the bar we could walk to from our house in Kansas City had a nice, nice clarinet club for those folks from Kansas City, but they had the greatest shuffleboard table. Of really? All time. And the last time I went. They got rid of it for more oh. pool tables. Oh. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, I was talking to someone about that not long ago. I mean, have you ever, or have you noticed the decline in bowling alleys? Yes. They're not everywhere. No. You know, when me and you were growing right. up, bowling alley was a huge thing. Right. People don't bowl anymore. No. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, well, also, think about how many pool halls there used to be. They're right. There's hardly any now. No, I yeah. I think Abilene only has one. Yeah. And I want to say probably my dad was a huge pool player. He was a huge shuffleboard player. He was a pretty avid bowler. But anything that took skill, he was competitive. And so he used to drag me with him, going to pool halls, going to uh, watching play pools and hustle. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the 70s, and so here I was. At like six, seven years old, going to the, all the VFWs. Oh, VFWs are the best, man. It's just like a cigar shop now. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So many of the VFWs I've been to over the last few years have really changed. It's not that old school VFW anymore. Right. They tried to upgrade. Right. And people don't want to upgrade. No. We uh-uh. want that old jukebox. It's yeah. got Merle Haggard. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And now they've got the internet jukebox where you can listen to whatever you want to. And right. you know what happens then? Someone brings their kids in. The next thing you know, we're listening to Eminem. And right. If you're an Eminem fan, fine, cool. But right. when you go to a VFW. No, not what you want to hear. Right. Not at all. Right. Not at all. Because when I was going... You know, I was like probably five years old all the way up until I was 20. And all the people that went there were like from 50 to 80. So talk about sit around and listen to some amazing stories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One of the best fights I ever saw was in VFW. Really? Before, uh, with two men that were about 70 years old. And they got after I it. They got after it, and nobody got up. They finished, picked each other up, and went back to drinking dollar beer. That's right. a true story. I believe it. That was awesome, man. Awesome. At the VFW, yeah. So, anyway, back to my point of being that you don't see the bowling alleys. You don't mm-hmm. see the pool halls. Shuffleboards are just almost non-existent. Mm-hmm. And it's become more of... Like, people are playing, of course, video games. Right. But it's all commercialized stuff and just ways to make more money versus where people hang out and do stuff together. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I really hadn't thought about that until I talked to a friend of mine who actually works for Primetime here in Abilene. Yeah. And they have... The bowling yeah, alley. Yeah, but that's... It's still different. It's different. But, I miss the old bowling alley. Yeah. Yeah. You go in, and I was telling you, whenever we used to go bowling back in the 90s, you'd go in and pitchers of beer mm-hmm. were like four bucks. Yeah. And you'd just have like three or four or five guys bowling, and I mean, we'd get there at 8 o'clock at night and leave at midnight when they closed. Right. And you just don't do that anymore. Yeah. And when you do go bowl now, do you know how much it costs to go oh, bowling? Oh, Yeah. I mean, Ridiculous. family of four, 
And You're going to spend 100 bucks bowling? Yeah, and that's what bowling was about, was cheap, fun for the whole family, and Dad can drink beer. Just like the old roller skate rinks. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up on those? So, you know, the bowling alleys and the VFW, they've all changed. And, you know, I would like to go back and have that nostalgia that we had when we were growing up, but it's gone. And I'll tell you what really brings it back to me is listening to old country. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and I listen to rock and roll. I listen to jazz and blues. And I cannot. I cannot listen to new country. No, none. I mean, uh, there's, there's a few newer rock bands that I can listen to. Yeah. It doesn't do as much for me as the old stuff. Right. But new country makes me want to throw up. Yes, yes. And I actually, in my chicken house, I keep a radio because we got bobcats and all kinds. And do you play new country to keep the bobcats away? Well, (laughs) it's the only thing that comes in out there for some reason. It's a station out of here. I won't even ever remember the name of it. But when I go in there like this morning to gather eggs and clean the entire pen, nothing makes me work faster than here in frickin' Florida Georgia Line or something. See, I've, I never, a, I've never heard of that. because <laughs> Yeah, I, I work so fast. I'm so efficient. I am a chicken machine. cleaning machine nice. because I can't get out of there fast enough. Well, I do love listening to the old country, but I won't say that all new country's bad because there's still some guys that the bloodline runs through. Yes. And my top pick is Sturgill Simpson. Absolutely killer. Man, this guy is doing, and I don't even say country music, he's doing music. Right, good I mean, music. And, you know, he has that voice, which is classic country, but he can also do other things. But I've listened to a lot of his different music, and not all of it's country. Right. I don't know if you've noticed, he did a theme song for an HBO show. Oh, yeah, 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 did yeah. you hear that one? Yeah. What was the name of that? Uh, I'll have to look it up. Right. But the transitions and the music that he writes is just amazing. Yes. But I wanted to l- let you listen for just a minute cool. of uh, some Sturgill Simpson. And so you guys at home will have a chance to check him out if you don't know who he is. Uh, give me one second. I'll get him going. Uh, this is Sturgill Simpson, Life of Sin. Two, three, four. Well, It's hard for me to turn that off. I know, man. It is not I mean, easy. I mean, he just kills it. Yeah. And, and you know how hard it must have been for him, what, probably three, four, three years ago, four years ago, maybe? To come what become what he is now, you know, where his music does get played on some different stations. You got to dig. I think. I think. Really, no one would know who Sturgill Simpson was if it wasn't for like Spotify, iTunes, uh, YouTube, right? Because radio stations aren't playing his music. You know, uh, there's a station in Angelo that plays. Really? Yes. See, I've never heard him on the radio. Well, for one, I don't listen to New Country, so I right. don't listen to that. Right. But, unfortunately for me, 
I, I forgot. I was listening to someone, and Spotify was like, hey, you might like this guy. And oh, I was like, yeah. who's this? So I listened. I was like, holy crap. Where's this guy been? Right. And, you know, he really hasn't been around that long. If you no. look at his albums, I think 2012 probably. was probably his first album. Yeah. Which, have you listened to it? That was the Turtles all the... No, no, no. no, no. no that no. was the one before that, and it was, like, completely, like, mostly... Old country before Texas country style. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then Turtles All the Way Down was more Texas uh, outlaw country. Yeah. More like Waylon Jennings and right. those guys. Uh, but then he's done some. Did you hear him do the uh, remake of the uh, Nirvana song? Yeah. Promise. I mean, that was a great song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So just I look for musicians who make music. Right. And, I mean, when you listen to their voice, they're great. But when you listen to the composition and all the instruments they throw in there, oh, he kills it. Yeah. Stellar band. And then earlier you were mentioning uh, Jamie Johnson. Yeah. And he did Four Walls of Rayford. Yes. And which is also a cover of Leonard Skinner. So I thought we'd play just a few seconds of that and let people check that out and we'll talk about it. cigar lounge i have a cigar lounge at home if you haven't listened before i uh took a shed and turned it into a pretty sweet lounge awesome i mean that's that's where we're recording the show right now but i will sit here and listen to this music and just enjoy a cigar by myself sometimes oh yeah and it's like you know when you get those vocals and that music going it just Time stops. Right. You know what I mean? And right. that's what it's for. Yeah. For and that's right where you are right then is in that song, man. That's the coolest. I do it sitting outside with a cold beer. Uh, loud. No neighbors that can hear my Nice. You know, just so good. Now, does your house have a back porch? Yeah. Well, it's got a side porch, actually, oh, a back okay. porch. I tore down last summer due to rattlesnakes. Oh, actually. really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I tore it down with the tractor. As How many rattlesnakes you pull out of there? I didn't pull any. I climbed up under there, didn't pull any. So I tore it. It was falling in. Yeah. But I searched everywhere for the dam, and I, that was my last place. I was going to tear it down probably anyway, but there wasn't any under there. I couldn't believe it. Now I have killed four or five coming out of, from under there uh, in the last three or four years. What's the biggest one you've ever killed out there? I killed a six-footer one time, but I shot it. I was on my way to town to go pick my daughter up from school, and I was running late. And I had a shotgun on my back porch, 12-gauge shotgun. And I just grabbed it because I was running behind. And when I shot it, I shot it in half. Oh. Yeah, and I, uh, my daughter wanted to see it when we got home, and we cut it open and stuff. Giant rat in there. But anyway, really? Yeah, and I skin them all. 
all any kind of size, and that was the biggest I've ever shot. And it was shot in half. It was shot, come down in two pieces. That's my plug for Mossberg shotgun. Nice, they, nice. God, they are surgical on a snake. But Perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But most of them I kill, me or my wife or my daughter, with uh, a twenty-two with rat shot in it, and I'm able to skin them all. But nice. Yeah. We, whenever I was growing up, our favorite rattlesnake killer was a hoe. Mm-hmm. I remember me and my brother and his wife at the time, I think I was probably only about 24, 25 years old, we went out to the country to look at some houses that were like way out in the country. Mm-hmm. And I told you already I was terrified of rattlesnakes. I don't kill snakes. My brother kills snakes. Mm-hmm. And so the house was locked in the front, and you know how the country is. You know, right. Nobody locks their doors, and if you want to go look at a house for sale, nobody cares. Right. So we went around the back, and, of course, the back door was open. We went and looked at the house. They were thinking about buying it. But when we came out, I stepped off the back porch. Instead of walking down the steps, I just stepped off to the side. And as I'm stepping down, I look down, and there's, like, three big old snakes coiled up together, uh. sunning. Yeah. And, I mean, I was just like, whoa, I could have stepped right on them. Uh, and, of course, at that point, I was like, all right, see you in the car. Mm-hmm. And, and he's grabbing a hoe and cutting all three of their heads off. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do that a lot, too, for sure, when I got one handy. But if I let just – I don't kill any other snakes but rattlesnakes. Oh, right. right. I don't mess with any of the other ones. Well, all the other snakes do good stuff. Yeah. And, you know, and it's not that rattlesnakes don't eat rats. Right. They're great for that. Yeah. But the bad thing is they bite you, they bite your dog, right. they bite your horse. Yes. Whatever it is. Kids. My dog's been bit twice. And he's lived? Oh, yeah. He, he gets, they both get vaccine. He's lived, but he has not learned. Really? As, as a matter of fact, I was listening to music, uh, not, well, it was probably last summer, me and him, me and the dog, his name's Luther Perkins, who was a bass player for Johnny Cash, by the way. Nice. Yeah, but, uh, he had been bit twice. I hear the rattling, and I caught him right before he jumped on it. That would have been the third time. He doesn't get it. Doesn't get it. Can't teach an old dog No, tricks. no, no, <laughs> he does not get it, but yeah. So, you being out in the country and killing snakes with shotguns and all that good stuff, I'm, I'm guessing that you're a real big supporter of gun control. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 you're not a supporter of gun control. No, 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 no. Well, that's that's something that I do like to talk about. We talk about that at the cigar shop a lot. And the yeah. thing about it is, you know, if, if you're against guns, I'm the first one to say I would never make you buy a gun. Right, right. And in the same token, if you don't want a gun, in no way should you force me to buy a gun. Right. But you should also not force me to not be uh, able to buy right, a gun. Right, And, you know, I listen to a lot of media out there and you know there's plenty to talk about gun control Mm -hmm. and the biggest thing that i can't get over is that you know every time we have a school shooting or something like that which is horrible right forbid it ever happens again but it's always the manufacturer the gun it's not the individual yes and that's the problem and i mean if you look at the toughest cities in this country 
Chicago, right. Baltimore, Los Angeles, New York. They have the highest gun violence, but they have the strictest gun laws already. Right. Right. So, and look, look at Chicago. I mean, it's like... It's crazy how many... But did you know Baltimore is actually higher than Chicago? Really? Yeah. Oh, when I looked... I didn't know For that. last year's stats... Yeah. It was like 580-something murders with handguns versus... It wasn't very much difference. I mean, it was like probably 20 different. Yeah. 20 difference. But... So gun control is not the solution. Right. Because we see a test going on in those cities with right. gun control. Yeah. So if we would look at that as the controlled testing area, we see it's not working. Right. So right. I mean and I don't I don't know what the solution is, but I do know right. the solution is not keeping uh legal Americans from owning guns. Right. You right, absolutely I mean? not. No. So, no, it's crazy and and you don't hear them talking about Chicago and well maybe Chicago did it this way. It's status quo whether it's working or not. And I don't understand that. Right. I don't get it. Well, all I can say is I'm very happy to be living in Texas. Right. Right. That's that's right. So I'm going to tell the story, and I I debated whether or not I'd tell it or not. <clears throat> but you know I I do a lot with guns. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I had a. Uh, I had a uh, classic Ruger Mark II 22 uh, bull barrel pistol that I I had for a long time, and I decided that I didn't need it anymore. And a guy wanted it that had a set of brand new Milwaukee cordless tools, new in the box. And he was like, "Man, I'll trade you that." And I was like, "Okay, that'd be cool." So, you know, I, I guess I didn't think it through. Not the trade. The trade was great. Right. I didn't think it through, and I was like, hey, man, I don't live very far from so-and-so. Just meet me up there, and we'll just make a quick trade. Right. He's a legal citizen, no felonies, so we're good. He showed me his ID, and so we meet up there in this little parking lot, and, I mean, I'm giving him a twenty two pistol that's never been fired. Right. It's a collector item. Right. It's, yeah. You know what I mean? You're not yeah, going to use not a single rubber band. Right, right. It's not a, uh, it's not a pistol with the serial high number. point. Right. <laughs> so anyway, we're at this shop and the owner comes out and says, Hey, what are y'all doing? And I was like, Oh, we're just making a quick trade. We'll be out of here in no time. And he goes back in and I think nothing about it. So then about 30 seconds later, this older man comes out, which is apparently the shop owner's dad. Okay. And he's like, hey, what are y'all doing? And I said, oh, we're just making a quick trade. We're done. We're about to leave. And he was like, no guns. And I was really? like, I was like, uh, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, I didn't mean to offend you. And he was like, no guns in my parking lot. And I was like, okay, man, that's cool. And I said, just to let you know, we're not doing anything illegal. Right. And his response to me was, your response should be, yes, sir, and you shut the F up. And I was just like, you know that I've been up here to this shop before, and I've bought lots of stuff from you. Right. And I apologize for doing this on your property. I didn't think it was a big deal. So 
poor judgment on my part. Right. I just thought the response was way over the top. Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. And, I mean, I've talked to the guy several times before, and I never would have thought that he was an anti-gun guy. Right. But even if you are an anti-gun guy, let's open up a conversation with dialect. Right. Hey, man, I would appreciate it. If you didn't do this on my property. Yeah, easy. Because I was not being rude. I was not being a jerk. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so it just really blew me away. Well, not few things polarize people. People like guns. There's very, you know, a few other things. Well, you know, after I left, I thought he probably would have been cool if I was doing a drug deal. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Turn but, the other cheek. Right. Right. You know, right. Oh, 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 they're just doing a little smoking weed or something. Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. But, man, the guy was so passionate. Right. And I really felt bad after I left because I was like, you know what? That was inconsiderate of me, and I won't do that again. From now on, any situation like that, I'll either do it at my house or the other person's house. Right. But that location just happened to be in the middle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, poor judgment on my part, but it really opened my eyes about how passionate people are one way or the other. Which, being passionate is one thing, and just going straight to anger is another thing. Well, I agree. I I miss having grown-up talks about grown-up things sometimes. And there's a lot of that going around now that's... Well, we're in a new generation. Yeah. And I, and I forget how old you are, Jake. Uh, 43. 43. 42, 43. Somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'll be 50 in March. Oh, wow. Big 5 Oh, man. How's that feel? You know what? It feels good. Oh, yeah. I think I got no problem with 43. Well, you know, the thing about it is, when I was thinking about it at first, it kind of was like, wow, I'm going to be 50. But just over the last few weeks... Now it's like, I'm going to be 50. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Right. I'm that older guy who's been around. Seasoned. Seasoned. Yeah. Has some wisdom. Yeah. Even though I still make bad decisions like the one I just told you. Yeah. But I learn from my mistakes. Right. And that's where we all want to get to. Right. And a lot of us, it takes till we're 40-something years old. To, yeah, because when I was in my 20s, I made the same mistakes over and over and yes, over. Because, uh, you know what, it was so much fun right? that ah, the consequences are worth it. Right. Now it's like, oh, we'll do that again. Yes. So Yeah, that's a great place to be. Yes. That, that is, is a really good place to and be. And now let's talk about family for a minute. Okay. You have a great family. I've seen them on Facebook a lot. I mean... You guys, when I see the pictures of you guys, I'm like, that's a happy family. Um, and I know that on Facebook, that's what people do right. is make <laughs> this facade. But you're right. not one of those facade type people. No, no, no. And if you guys at home can hear this uh draw of speech that Jake has, you know he's not putting on airs. No. You know no, what I mean? So yeah. when I see your pictures, they're legit. Mm-hmm. You're your kids. Now, let me ask you this. Did you go through a time with your daughters where, you know, growing up, they're daddy's girl? Yeah. Yeah. But, but did they reach that age to where they were no longer daddy's Absolutely. girl? And then the amazing part, when they start coming back. Right. Cause I, I feel like my oldest, she's 22 and she's coming back. It's awesome. Yeah. Because my girl was daddy's girl. Uh-huh. And when she hit probably about 12, 13, 
Yeah. It was kind of like all of a sudden I became the dumbest right. person on the planet. Right. And But now, and she won't have nothing to do with me back then, for, mm-hmm. for seems like ever, but mm-hmm. it lasted for about four or five years. And Long since then, years. yeah. <laughs> but now, every time that she gives me a little, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, I've missed that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And so, as a parent, it's really hard to go through those dry years, right. as I like to say. Yeah. So, I'm in that place now where me and my wife, we've been married for 23 years. Oh, wow. Coming That's up awesome. on 24. Yeah. And I just say I've got the greatest wife on the planet. Right. How many wives do you know that left their husband? have a lounge in the backyard. Right. You know what I mean? Awesome. And awesome. she's cool with it. She comes out here and watches movies with me. Yeah. And so she, I smoke. She doesn't smoke, but I have mm-hmm. a really good air purifier, so she's not getting all that smoke. And that's another topic we'll talk about in a minute. But anyway, I'm just, I'm in a good place right now. Yeah. And a big part of it is my cigar life. Oh, yeah. Because when I moved to Abilene, I didn't know anyone. And, you know, as a supervisor for the company I work for, you know, I've got around 85 employees. And I really, I I don't allow myself to be friends with those guys. Even Mm -hmm. though I've got some great people, it's just not a good, it's not a good place to be when you're buddy-buddy with employees. Because, one, it affects your judgment on working with that individual. Mm -hmm. But it also puts a whole bunch of employees that you're not buddy-buddy with against you right because they get jealous of that relationship or they think that you're taking care of them but you're not taking care of that person Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i've just never allowed myself to get in that situation so that was one of the reasons i loved inviting you over on the show because we had a working relationship but after you left the company it was better right you know what i mean because we could just be ourselves yeah absolutely so Mm-hmm. I kind of forgot where I was going with all that. You When you moved to Abilene. Oh, okay. When I moved yeah. to Abilene, I didn't really have any friends. And so, really, I didn't do anything except get into trouble. Right. You know what I mean? A little drinking here. Yeah. Uh, going out and partying. And that's really not me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to do something. something. And so, over the course of the last six years, somewhere about two and a half, three years ago, I started smoking cigars. And uh, I used to go up to Lubbock and see a buddy of mine that we've been best friends since I was in junior high. Mm. And we would go get a cigar, and we'd go out and have a drink and smoke cigars. Yeah. Just because we thought that would be cool. Right. You know, I didn't know nothing about cigars. I didn't even, wasn't even a fan of cigars. But it was... Better than some other things that we could have been going to do. Right. Oh, yeah. So we were doing that, and I uh, just by accident picked up a Kristoff Maduro. It was real bold and spicy. And that's the cigar that was like, it kicked it in for me. Really? Oh, yeah. I was like. So you came came with the thunder right out of the gate. Oh, man. <laughs> the next day, I went and bought a box of those oh, really? cigars. Were they hard to find here? No. Well, at the time, I was in Lubbock. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I came back here, my shop didn't carry them, but uh, that one box lasted me a long time. Yeah. Now, a box would go through pretty quick. Right. But anyway, I got into the cigar life, and you start going to the cigar shop, 
hanging out, meeting other people, getting to know them. We share stories just like me and you are now. And that's what I was missing as uh, a man. Yeah. That bond with other men. Oh, Hanging yeah. out and smoking cigars. Right. So that's been a big part of where I am now in my life. And right now, I mean, I couldn't be happier. That's great. I mean, man. and it took a long time that. to get there. Right. Hey, good things take time. Oh, absolutely. You know, all of it. All of it, man. I'm the same way. Super, super happy with where I am. Like, stoked every day. Well, you know what I mean? Everybody tell this story, too. This is a, one of my favorite stories about your relationship and my relationship with each other. Is the corporation that I worked for, Jake worked for, and basically... He had an opportunity, or you got an opportunity to go work somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And all your coworkers pretty much was telling you, don't leave. Yes. Don't leave. You're going to regret it. You're going to be pissed off at yourself. You're giving up a great job. Yeah, you know, and, they, and they didn't, some of them, few of them didn't put it that nice. Right. Dumbest thing I'll ever do in my entire life, kind of. Yeah, you're stupid if yeah. you do this. Uh-huh. And... You called me to get my opinion, and I just told you, hey, man, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. If you have an opportunity to go do this job, I think you ought to do it 100%. Yeah. And don't look back. Right. Because I could see where you were, and you were happy. Oh, yeah. God. You were getting to do what you love to do. Mm-hmm. You were getting to live where you wanted to live. Yes. You didn't have to worry about whether or not you're going to be able to work. Right. Or where. And and I was jealous because you had Friday, Saturday, Sunday off every yeah. week. Yes. So my advice was, if you can make it work, go full force with it. Yes. And now I talk to you, and it's been three years, and now you're a supervisor. Mm-hmm. It's worked out great for yeah. you. Oh, yeah. That was great advice, man. Well. Great. You know, I, I was giving you the advice that I would want someone to give me. Right. And be honest. Right. And it, it could have been very easy for you to BS your way through that. Well, I mean, and I'll be honest, you were a really good employee. So for me to tell you that I thought you should leave, mm. it would have been easier for me to tell you, oh, no, stick it out. You'll be fine. Just so I could be greedy and have another <laughs> good employee. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thank but, God you did. Yeah, man. I wouldn't do that. No. Because your happiness oh, yeah. is so much more important. Right. If you're not happy with what you're doing, you know. And what are you doing? Right. And, yeah. you know, I, I I listened to a guy named Gary V, which I respect so much, but he preaches it a lot. If you're not happy doing what you're doing, get rid of that three, four-bedroom home, right. get rid of that $80,000 car, mm-hmm. and find something that you do that makes you happy, and live cheaper. Yes. Are we living so that we can impress other people? Yeah. If that's what you're doing, you're not happy. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. And you can't be happy no. if you're wanting to impress other people. Right. Because first of all, if you live in that four-bedroom house... You drive that $80,000 car. Are those people really impressed with what you're doing? Mm-mm. Come on. No. You know what they're really saying is, 
he's living above his means. Right. He's in debt. Right. They might pat you on the back and say that's cool to your face. Mm-hmm. But in the long run, you're just killing yourself. Mm-hmm. And how much crap does one per family, person, whatever need? How much, how much crap? You know what? We have tried to really downsize. Yeah, and we still too. have too much crap. I know. I did. It's amazing how much crap you have that you need in the country, I guess. But when we moved from Kansas City to here, huge downside. And and it, we still had crap. It wasn't high-dollar crap, but we had a lot it was, of crap. It was your crap. My crap, yeah. And I, we got rid of a ton of it. Well, you know, and it's so freeing, dude. Oh, it really is. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is when we bought this house, before, we lived over there by the mall, uh-huh. and we lived in like a 2,600-square-foot 20, home, Dang. which was a lot of space, mm-hmm. and we started looking for houses. We were looking at a price range that was higher than what I really wanted, mm-hmm. and but none of those houses had what I wanted. I wanted the front porch. Yeah. Because I was a cigar smoker. Right. So front porch, you know, that was one of my key things. Yeah. And we would go look, and I mean, it's just houses, newer style houses, they don't have front porches no. anymore. Cookie cutter. Exactly. So <clears throat> we've gone to look at several houses, and one morning my wife came in there and woke me up. I mean, I had worked all night, and I hadn't had any sleep, and she woke me up at like 8 in the morning, and she's like, I found your house. And I was like, all right, let's see it. Anyway, she opens up her phone and shows me a picture of this craftsman-style house. Yeah. And I was like, that's it. That, yeah. So we called our realtor, came straight over here to look at it, went through the whole house. And before we left, we told our realtor, we want to go ahead and make an offer. And he was like, oh, hold off. You know, we might be able to get a better deal. And I was like, I don't want to get a better deal. I want to make the offer and give him his asking price because I want that house. And if we wait, someone else is going to buy it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And we got this house for 95 That's crazy. 95 Yeah. And oh, it, it's got the main house. It's got two backyards. It's got a pool in one yard, and then the other yard's my dog yard. Yeah. And then it has the mother-in-law apartment, and now it has my smoking shed. Yeah. So yeah, I could have went and spent one hundred fifty, two hundred thousand dollars, and still not got exactly what, what I wanted. Want. Right. And yeah, you know, I don't live in the ritzy neighborhood, uh, but I live where I want to live. Right. And I'm happy here. Yeah. And okay. I think making good choices. Like that is more important than impressing other people. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and it, it works. It works. It does. That reminds me of a song. Write this down, folks. It, Guy Clark. You know who Guy Clark is? Singer Scott. Yeah. Guy ruler. Clark. Yeah. I'll look him oh, up. Oh, ruler, man. But he has a song called Stuff That Works. And it's that's it, man. That's He's basically saying, I just like, it may be... Not what nobody else likes, but it works for me. Stuff that works. His favorite shirt, his favorite guitar, house, stuff like that. Right. Pickup, car, whatever. Well, now, you know what the one thing that you've done that I was completely disappointed in you in? Uh, oh, my choice of vehicles today. Man. No, no. <laughs> that you got rid of uh, Old Brown. Yes. 
Oh, God, that man. was a truck now. No, nah, no. What was that? A seventy sixty nine. Sixty nine. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I miss it. Long I mean, bed, yeah. brown pickup. Yeah. Looked. I'm going to guess it was one of those perfect at 20 feet. Yes, it you know was. I mean? Because it was a driver. Right. And you Drove know. it 700 miles from Kansas City to Sweetwater, Texas, and the whole trip burned a half a quart of oil. That was it. Had yeah. enough tools to rebuild it on the side of the road, and it never <laughs> even let me down. Never once. Did it have AC? No. I didn't. AM radio. AM radio. Yeah, factory. Right. Yeah, factory. That, nice. uh, it was a beauty. How long did you have that truck? Man, I had it a long time. Gosh, I'm thinking five, eight years probably. Really? But see, I went out of town for my old job, and it just filled it up with fuel. And you remember where the gas caps are on those up at the... Yeah, right at the top of the bed. Yeah. And I was out of town for like two months or so working in the middle of the summer and it, the neck had cracked and it had been 110 West Texas weather, you know, and that stuff leaked out, the gas leaked out of the neck. Down the paint? Down the paint. And then we bought the house we live in now in the country and, uh, when it peeled the paint off the, that cab deal corner right. right there and it, I never treated it right after that, you know. I bought the house in the country. I was cutting firewood out of it and throwing brush in it. And well, the thing about it is, as we get older, our priorities change. Mm-hmm. What was more important? You loved the truck, mm-hmm. but now your country living, your yeah. house, that took priority. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Same with motorcycle. Brought a motors, brought a Harley down here with me. And needed so much other stuff at the house, you know, farm stuff and everything. Yeah, so your priority changes and you got to say, you know what, I loved it, I enjoyed it, but now I'm moving on to this. Right, gone. Right. Gone. It's crazy how that changes. So you got any of the areas down there to go fishing? Yes. Tank? Nah, tanks, man, they've been dry. Really? They were dry, dry, dry last summer. I mean, like bone dry. Now they're back. Like but there's winter, not any fish right now. No, Winter's Lake is one of the good fishing spots. Really? And there's two lakes out there. Like you're going from Winter's to Coleman. Okay. Yeah, on 153. Okay. Yeah, out there. It's like seven miles east of Winter's. Man, it's a good one. What do you catch out there? Catfish. Okay. Cat, I, because I like catfish. You set trot lines? Guys do. I did the last good one. I caught like a 20-pounder out of their last time I went out there and it was uh rod and reel I mean but there is a lot of jug lines out there that guys yeah. are running and stuff we used to run a lot of trot lines yeah, on the uh, south fork of the Brazos oh yeah man that was, that was some good times oh it's a blast dude I would go catch perch from sun up to dark Mm-hmm. And then we would take all those perch and run trot lines. Oh. And then come back the next morning and you just see those lines swaying in the water. In your stomach. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun, man. Because you, know you don't know what You don't know what you're going to pick up. Yeah. And you might pull it up a five pound. You might pick up a 20 pound. Yes. You know. Oh, yeah. Like, now we're going to have a fish fry. Right. So, right. But all the tanks and the lakes and everything around us now are full, man. You know, my brother lives up around Throckmorton. Oh, yeah. And uh, he took me to a tank fishing probably about two months ago. Yeah. 
I fished for maybe 30 minutes, and I caught six bass that all weighed over five pounds. No yeah. way. Yeah, it was fun, man. It what was, were you using? It doesn't matter. Didn't matter. I mean, I was yeah, using... Yeah, that's a once in a... I was using a squirrel tail map. Yeah. With a spinner. Uh-huh. And uh, that's probably the best we were to use in those tanks up in that area. Yeah. But, I mean, you could throw anything because nobody fishes them. Yeah. So you go up there and it's just pulling them out. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. And I grew it's up fishing that up way. There. Oh, it's cowboy if, country. If man. you like that country, it's beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are like, oh, this is ugly. Yeah. Because you know, they think, like I said earlier, of Missouri. That's uh huh. And I refer to Missouri because I lived up there for a while. Where? Uh, I lived in St. Louis. Yeah. But going through the Ozarks. Oh, oh God. Yeah. Man, that's the most beautiful yeah. place on the planet yeah. to me. Oh. Well, besides Colorado. Right. It's close, though. So yeah, it is it's close. close. You didn't like the Cardinals, did you? You know, I wasn't a big Cardinal fan, but I did go to some games just because if you live in St. Louis, you got to go to mm-hmm. some Cardinal games. I was also not a fan, but I still went and saw the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, back when, I like the Blues. Back when Brett Hall played. Yeah. That's when I lived up there. Okay, so that was what? 90. 90. It was early 90s. Okay. Well, you weren't there in 85, were you? No. I was still when, in high school in 85. When the Royals beat the Cardinals no, for the World no, Series no. in I-70? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have been. Actually, back then, I wasn't even a baseball fan. I didn't become a baseball fan until I lived in Houston. Yeah. Big baseball town. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. How's that cigar treating you? Good, man. It's really, really, really good. It is. You getting any spicy flavor out of it yet? Yeah. A little bit. It'll it'll warm up on you as you go. Yeah. I'm about to light up one of my favorite cigars, and... If you've listened to any of my podcasts in the past, you'll know it's one of my favorites. It's uh, Guardians of the Farm. And uh, it's just a medium smoke, but it's a complex flavor profile. And the draw on it, it's just perfect. It's not too loose, but it's not tight. Mm -hmm. It's funny because they can't see you every time that... Uh, Jake is saying, uh huh, it's because he's sucking on the cigar. Right <laughs> yeah. I've been talking too much. It's re- this one's really good, though, for sure, man. Well, I tried to get you a medium strength. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to see you turn green. Yeah, no, it's super good. Smooth, smooth. So, what are you doing for Christmas this year? Man, staying home. Nice. Staying home. I cannot wait. Grandkids are here. Oldest daughter moved down. How many grandkids you got? Two. 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 I got a one-year-old grandson named Lucas and a two-year-old granddaughter named Lila. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's so awesome. They just moved down here from Kansas City about two months ago, I think. Okay. Yeah. I don't have grandkids yet. You know, my daughter's 17 and my Mm -hmm. son's 18. Mm Mm-hmm. But... My brothers come down to visit, and they bring my nephew and niece. Yeah. And one of them is, my niece Mia is, I believe she's 12. If I get this wrong, she's going to kill me. Right. And then I have uh, a one-year-old nephew, a four-year-old nephew, and a six-year-old nephew, and that's like having grandkids for me. Oh, yeah. When they come down, I uh, get to, like, have fun with them, spoil them and yes. all that, and then they go home. Yes, fill them full of sugar. Right. Oh, yeah, keep them up. Oh, you know what I gave them when they came down last time? For what? Was these wooden train whistles. Oh, And I was perfect. like, 
don't play with these until you go home. Go home, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's perfect, man. That's yeah. how we do it at my house. We already gave my uh, granddaughter her big Christmas present from us, and it was a Jeep thing. Oh, nice. Like a uh, power wheel, battery-operated Jeep oh, yeah. deal. And, man. and did you have one of those when you were a kid? No, but my youngest... My youngest had a fake Harley Power Wheels thing that she loved. No, I I don't even think those things were. Oh no, they were. Were they? When really? I was a kid, when I was about four, I had an electric car that looked like a kind of like a one of those F1 series cars for like Indy cars. Yeah, oh yeah. I had one of those. Really? Yeah. I mean, it was back. I know people were gonna think, "Wow, he's a spoiled rotten brat" when he was a kid, but. We really weren't. I don't know how I got that. Right. My dad worked for the city making $160 a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, I don't know how I had that, but I'll never forget that. That was right. my first favorite thing. Yeah. I'd be driving up and down the sidewalk. Oh, yeah. Or maybe, you know, I was four, so maybe I don't remember exactly. It could have been a pedal car. Okay. Maybe it was. I don't remember. But I remember having that F1 car. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Mine was a Schwinn Predator, man, bicycle. Oh, I love that thing. Do well, you remember growing up, Saturdays, you get on that bike, uh, and you're just gone. Yawn. Mom doesn't know, Dad no. doesn't know where you are as long uh, as you're home at dark. Right. My mom whistled, did that finger whistle thing, right. and you could hear that from three zip codes away, <laughs> and that's how I knew. Sometimes it was before dark, sometimes it was after, but I couldn't BS my way out of it. Oh, no. No, because everybody, her friends in other parts of town and stuff, would you say, well, I heard, I heard you whistling, so his little ass can't act like, <laughs> like he, he didn't hear you, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, skateboard and a, and a Schwinn Predator. Oh, no, I had my first skateboard. Was a Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, dude. Yeah. With, I had a Santa Cruz with concave. Oh yeah, mine was. Remember the melting face? Oh yeah, Santa Cruz. Yeah, and I had that. Oh, those, those things were killer. Mine had a super graphic bottom under underneath the board. Yeah, it was like all different bright. Oh yeah, yeah, colors. yeah. Uh, like a almost like a zebra pattern kind of. Yeah, but it was all mixed colors. Uh-huh. And the cool thing about it for me was it was concave. Oh, yeah. You know, nobody had that one. Right. And I'd saved up my money, shoot, for a long time uh-huh. to get that board. In fact, it hung on the wall at the skateboard shop. Yeah. Probably for six months. And I was just, you know, every time I'd make some money, I'd put it away. Right. I, I bought mine at a skating rink. Kind of like a bowling alley, same gone, but not forgotten, man. Right. And, uh, oh, what was it, skate land or... Um, that actually may still be there, but they had a uh, they had a skateboard shop in there, and everybody oh, at the skate, skate place. place, yeah. Nice. And every you know everybody's out there snowballing and uh, skating backwards and all that, and I'm in there trying to buy this skateboard. Nice. It's the same way I go, put a little money down on it, you know, and and uh, finally got it. I love that thing. Man. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I think ours was called Skate Zone. Okay. Ours and was either Skate World or Skate Lane. Well, we had another one that we would go to called Skate Ranch. 
No, yeah. that's Lubbock. Yeah, yeah, that, that was Lubbock. That was Lubbock, man. That's cool. It was like, and I think we were in like fifth grade. Sixth that would grade. be a killer T-shirt to have. Right? Oh, I know, skate retro ranch. skate ranch. <laughs> <laughs> we should make those T-shirts. <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome, dude. Oh, that is awesome. So, anyway, so I invited you down as a guest on the show today to be a, a guest host. And I'm hoping that you'll come back and we'll do some more. Absolutely. I would love to. But what I'm trying to tell you here is also, I think you should do your own podcast. Country Living. You're the epitome of Country Living. (laughs) And when I say epitome, I hope you know that I mean much respect and love. Oh, yeah. And because rural America is the backbone of this country. It is. You know what I mean? It is, man. And... You it's, just find the best people. Oh, yeah. I, I can't. The only regret about living where I live is I didn't do it soon. That's right. it, man. I cannot imagine. I feel like I'd be like a caged animal if I went back now and and moved back. I now, love going back. Now, was that the first time you've ever moved to the country? No. Um, I actually would, in the summers, my uncle took care of a big cattle ranch basically sort of deal out south of Kansas City about an hour, hour and a half. And I would go out there every summer and stay most of the summer, you know, for a long time. And man, it's crazy the stuff my uncle taught me. They I had two uncles that lived out there and they did a huge part of raising me. Huge. Because I would have had no idea how to do any changing oil. Well, and not, anything. and not just the technical aspect of what they taught you. They taught you a work ethic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You 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 didn't get asked if you want to come do this. Oh no. You were you were told, hey, right. get up, get dressed, we're right. going to go we're do this. We're going to go do this. And right. it, it's crazy. But you had fun doing it. Oh, I loved it. You know what I, I mean? Loved, I wouldn't have traded that for anything. What I learned out out there was invaluable, man. Invaluable. And it's crazy how much of that stuff I retain. I hadn't lived out there since I was a kid. You know, and then when I bought the house I live in now with livestock and a tractor and stuff. and Comes I right back. Came right like every step. Like I remember my uncle showing me when the tractor wouldn't start and I was a kid and we had to do all this different stuff. And I swear that happened last winter when I was back behind my house cutting wood. And I knew it immediately. And it was like we were standing there again and I was 14 years old, man. And it, back then, I was probably thinking, I mean, I was a knucklehead. Oh, we all were knuckleheads. knuckleheads. And I was probably thinking, blah, and just, blah. And just in case any of you listening don't know, if you have kids that are in that age group, your kids are knuckleheads. Too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be yourself. Yeah, if you think there's something that they're not, right. you know, that's the Kool-Aid you want to drink, yeah, drink it up. Drink it up. But, oh, I was a... I was a bona fide knucklehead of the highest caliber, for sure. Let me tell you, I, I grew up in that same lifestyle mm-hmm. off and on because mm-hmm. my parents were divorced when I was yeah. like two. So my mom and my stepdad, I lived with in Lovell. But my real dad lived in Woodson, which is mm-hmm. like population 200. Oh, yeah. Country living yeah. to the max. Yeah. And every summer when I went down there, my dad always put me to work. 
Mm-hmm. And whenever I was like really young, probably like 10, 11, we would be baling hay. Mm-hmm. And I remember this story. I was 10, and my dad told me he was going to pay me. He's, this is a job. And so he puts me on a tractor, and I'm baling hay. And he tells me, you know, every bale of hay that you do, I'm going to pay you a nickel. So I'm like, sweet, I'm going to bale 100 bales. That's five bucks. Yeah. So, you know, I get on there, and he tells me, okay, this is how you run the tractor. Here, you know, steering wheel. This is your gears. I'm like, what do you do with the gears? He goes, yeah, I'm going to put it in first gear. You just leave it there. Don't worry about it. And I was like, well, how many gears does it have? And he's like, you know, it's three gears. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then he tells me this, and here's how you drive down the rows of hay that's laying on the ground to make bales. So he leaves, you know, because that's how it was back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Your dad didn't stick around to no. make sure that you were doing it right. right. <laughs> he told you what to do, and that's what you do. You're right. So after about an hour of baling hay, I'm like, so second gear, I'm thinking in my mind. More money. More money. <laughs> more money. I can go faster. <laughs> so I click it on over in the second gear, and all of a sudden I'm chugging along, and I'm making some hay, you know, and I'm pretty excited about it. So then after, like, probably five minutes, I'm like, well, if second gear's good, <laughs> third gear is going to be way better. Why didn't Dad ever think of it? <laughs> right. So... I shift in the third gear, and now we're trucking. We're trucking. I'm looking back, and, I mean, we're just bailing hay like nobody's business. And I'm thinking the same thing. Dad doesn't know what he's doing because I'm bailing hay. And so, I don't know, probably 15 minutes goes by, and I'm just driving down these rows of hay. And I see my dad's pickup driving about 90 down a dirt road coming towards me. And I look back, and when I look back behind me, the baler's no longer baling hay. It's The wire has got all caught up in the gears, and it's just shooting out puffs of hay. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. My dad pulls up. He runs over as fast as he can to catch the tractor, because I'm probably going 20. He shuts off the tractor, jerks me off, and you know what yeah. happened then. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows yeah. how that story is. Uh, so, you know, and there you was had always, it figured out. Oh, yeah. I always had it figured yeah. out. Yeah. You know, whatever uh, Dad said, I could figure out better. a better way. Yeah, better. A better, yeah. quicker way. Yeah, he just yeah. never thought of it. Right. right. In all his years of bailing, hey. He just didn't look at it from this angle. Right. Yeah. You know, ignorance is bliss. He, he, he was he was not wanting to pay me that much money. So. <laughs> yeah, that's all. He's just trying to save money. Right. That's an awesome story. Oh, never forget that one. Oh, yeah. And I would do, oh, my goodness. My uncle had the patience. He did have patience? Oh, yeah. He, he had patience for a city kid and... And thank God he did, because I did enough dumb stuff. He, he should have sent me home. my dad had no patience at all. Yeah. He was, my dad was a ranch-style guy, mm-hmm. male chauvinist, uh-huh. my way or no way. Right. You know, very stern. Oh, yeah. And I'll never forget, when I got to be a little older, me and my older brother would be working out on ranches building fence. Mm-hmm. You ever build fence? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So... I don't know if in Kansas, if you had any dips, 
Yeah. But like where where we were building fence, we had a spot where on the two ends where the poles were were at one level, but down in the middle was probably about fifteen feet lower. Yeah. So I stretched that wire down and put it underneath my foot, and I'm standing on it, holding it to the ground, but it's got a lot of tension in it. And I'm standing there, and I let my foot off of that, and that wire comes right up and hits me in the chin. I mean, just bam! And, you know, immediately, I'm looking for some sympathy. Right. There wasn't none, was there? My dad looked at me and said, well, what the hell do you think was going to (laughs) happen? So that was pretty much the way I was taught. Right. But you learned that. I learned. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You you don't forget those lessons. No, you don't. My best lesson, actually Texas lesson I've ever had, was we didn't know anybody around where we live. I didn't know anybody. Around Winters, Texas. I didn't know anything about Texas, really. And when we bought this house, there was prickly pear cactus growing everywhere in the yard, the driveway, everywhere. And I asked guys at work, you know, what do you do with that? What do y'all do with this prickly pear and this cactus? Well, you kind of need to, you know, chop it off with an axe or whatever, dig it up. And take a pear burner to it and burn the thorns and all this, or it'll just grow Keep back. Keep growing back. Yeah. Right. It'll, it, it just ramp it. Right. So I'm doing that on like an August day, just 105 degrees out, something like that. And I'm getting it, you know, and it's whipping me, whipping me. And I think, these boys don't know nothing. <laughs> so what do I do? I go get chainsaw. Oh, Genius. This was five years. This wasn't like I was a kid. This was five years ago. And I take a chainsaw to that thing. And, and you're just spreading that stuff uh, everywhere. And within two seconds, I was like a pin cushion. Yeah. I had enough of those prickly pear, whatever, thorns or whatever the hell you call those things, dude. It's a wonder I didn't bleed to death. Oh. And then I was wearing gloves, long sleeve shirt, jeans. And you can't hardly take them off. Because they're penetrated. So they're penetrated in there. I mean, it was horrible. See, yeah. I did prickly pears, but I did them for my dad. Uh-huh. And we had a backhoe. Oh. So we just take that front blade yeah. and shear them off. Yeah, that's what I do now. That's Yeah, that's the way you do it. Yep, yep, that's what I do now. But that was a big, uh, new to Texas, <laughs> new to Prickly pear. Prickly pear. You know you can eat the prickly pear. Yeah, I've had it in a burrito. How was it? Delicious. I haven't had it in 20 years. You know, not far from the lumber yard there in Roscoe, there's a burrito joint there. And they'll sell, with a breakfast burrito. Really? Yeah, with prickly pear. Oh, it's delicious. I'll have to try that. Oh, it's so I can't think. Of, it, I, you know how Roscoe is. What is it? Eight hundred people. It's the only yeah. greatest thing. You know, my sister lives over there. Oh, I love it over there. Yeah, they live. Coolest honky tonk. Oh yeah, give give uh, a shout out to uh, the lumberyard. The lumberyard in Roscoe, Texas, is the coolest honky tonk within that I know of, which isn't saying much, but within. But not only just the honky tonk, it's actually a great venue. Oh, they have. To me, they have old country singers that come in there. Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard was there. Oh, Tanny Tucker. Bellamy Brothers. Bellamy Brothers. I mean, they have, to me, big names of the Mm -hmm. 70s 
and eighties yeah. even yeah come in there that you were like wow in Roscoe Texas right eight hundred people right cotton and how cotton. many how many I saw Bobby Bear there really? I don't know if you're Bobby oh, but oh I dude. love Bobby Bear oh my I dig him to death you know that dude uh, dude we grew up on those songs uh, as a kid yeah you love Bobby Bear songs yeah and he he wasn't at the lumber yard so to speak well, well he did the he did the Maria. LeBeau. Right. Or Marie LeBeau. Yeah, yeah. The Witch song. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he he did the what's the uh West Texas Wind Festival there in Roscoe. Okay. I think it's fourth of July. Oh really? I think so. And he was the on the main drag, shut the road down, headliner. Wow. Oh, it was so cool. BYOB. I mean just, just everybody having a good time. Yeah. In front of the lumber yard. Nice. Yeah, it was, oh, it was cool, man. That is cool. cool. Bobby Bear sounded exactly like he does on record. At his age. At his age. Yeah. Let me tell you, you know you know who came here not long ago that I didn't get to see that I would have loved? I've seen them before. Who? The Beach Boys. Oh, really? Have you ever seen them? Mm-mm. Dude, mm. they put on a show. Mm. I saw them back in, like, I want to say 89. Yeah. And they were out at Buffalo Lake, just east of Lubbock. Okay. And it was an outdoor venue. Mm-hmm. Man, in 89, I think, maybe 88, they sounded amazing. And, I mean, yeah. they were old then. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. they're still touring now. And some friends of ours went and saw them here in Abilene, and they said they were just awesome. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It so, just never lose a step. At all. I know. that. I hope I'm that lucky. You know what I mean? Well, I hope I'm that lucky or so so unfortunate that I never make it that far. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have seen some that aged, you know, like what's supposed to happen. But some right. are timeless. Charlie Pride still sounds. Does he really? Yes. And he's one of my just pure singer. He was my dad's favorite. Oh, buttery. Oh. Buttery smooth. Now, i got to say my very favorite of all times was Merle Haggard. Uh-huh. And I have this debate with my brothers. Okay. There's only two musical genius of all time. Okay. And I've just about let a third in. But number one is Merle Haggard. Okay. Wrote most of his own music. Yeah. And his voice, the way he puts the music together. Right. It's just perfection. Right. And it, he was genius in the way he did it. Yes. You know, he was a big fan of Lefty Frizzell. Right. And he kind of took that and ran with it. Yeah. And then my other one is Pink Floyd. Oh. So, one extreme to the other. Yeah, I love Pink Floyd. Dude. But. I, no, 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 but. Right. You can't say Pink. a but on Pink Floyd. No, 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 no. Okay. No. I love it, but I would add. Oh, see, everybody wants to add. I, I got everybody add. wants to add. But I will, I'm going to tell you who my third one, who's kind of sneaking their way in. Okay. Queen. No. Whoa. No. Whoa. No. Whoa. No. Pioneer I, of so many different forms of rock. Yeah. Nobody did what they did. There's... Fourteen musical transitions in Bohemian Rhapsody, and they made it work. True. Who could do that? Pink Floyd. Okay, and that puts them on the same playing field. I'm saying Willie Nelson. 
has got to be in that conversation. Songwriter, does have guitar, to be have, guitar has, picker. Okay. I, I'll, I'll give you that, and here's the reason why. Because when I think of Willie, I don't think of the best singer. We can all agree all that right. he's not the best singer. He has some yeah. songs. He okay. does have some songs. My favorite is Georgia. Yeah. Dude, Georgia, that voice that he has in that song mm-hmm. just melts me. Yeah. Uh, he has a few songs that do that, but all of them. Man. No, no, no. I'm no, just a no, man. Not, his, but his voice is not up there with the greats for me. It's definitely distinctive, right? It's very distinctive. I like his voice, but it's not like magical. Okay, for me. Right. Okay. But as far as the body of his work, I would say he is in the conversation of being musical genius, except for this last thing he did where he did Frank Sinatra songs. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. Have you listened to any of no, that? No, but I had him with the, I had an album with him live at Pedro and Alice. That was with the orchestra, and I actually saw him on my 18th birthday in Lawrence, Kansas. Was uh, that back in '62? Shoot, it feels like. Shoot, it feels like it, man. Right. Uh, but yeah, I seen him, and he had an orchestra on that deal, and it was awesome. They didn't do it all, but Frank Sinatra. I'm not a Frank Sinatra guy. I know a lot of people are. I can listen to some it's Frank just Sinatra, but it's not my thing. Sort, you know what Ain't I mean? Ain't my thing yeah. either. And but but for Willie doing Frank, it seems a little gimmicky to me. You know what I mean? He's like eighty four. I get it. Well, you know, and I don't know if you know this, but did you know Merle Haggard did a jazz album? Mm-hmm. And I was not a fan of that. Yeah. Because he left his roots. Right. And he pioneered what he was. Right. And to jump in a whole different genre just didn't work for me. No. But, and, I, and I totally dig that, man. I mean, I do. and I respect for someone to go out and do something that's not their norm. Because they don't give a crap. Right. And which how, is awesome. And how, and how awesome is it to yeah. be in a place where you don't care. No, you don't you care. You can do whatever it is yeah. that makes you happy. Right. You know what I mean? Right. That, that's the way to do it right there. I agree 100%. I'm, I am impressed that you that it's such a elite to to three, maybe three groups or people. I didn't. I didn't say that Queen was in. I said right. it was in the conversation. Right. right. But see, also, if you ask me, I'm going to ramble on for hours, and it's going to be the biggest. Every you get an award, it's going to be like an Oprah Winfrey because well, I dig so much. Well, me too. All right. But you know, my brother's argument is Stevie Ray Vaughan should be in. Ah, there. that's. No, no, no. He should not be in there. And it's not because I don't love his music. I love his music. But that doesn't classify him as musical genius. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, He was super talented. Jimi Hendrix, super talented. What? Real quick, Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan? If you had to pick one. If I had to pick one, I would probably go with Stevie Ray. And it's a tough choice. Yeah. But I'm looking at the work as a whole, mm-hmm. not specific songs. If I had to pick my favorite song, it would probably be more by Jimi Hendrix over Stevie Ray. But if I look at the body of work, just the growth that you see. And a big part of that, though, is that Jimi Hendrix died so, so young yeah. that we didn't get to see right. where he took it. Right. So, you know, you can't mm-hmm. judge him on such a small body of work. Mm-hmm. To where Stevie Ray has, you know, this large library volume of music 
versus Jimi Hendrix really has a very small volume of right. library. Right. Can you imagine what he'd be doing now? Oh, God dang. Man. You know, it is crazy. Even if he would have lived for another 20 years. Or Hank Sr., same deal. Oh. Think about that, man. That's that's one that you almost have to put in the conversation. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And I know a lot of people aren't a fan of Hank Senior. Yeah, you you either love it or you don't. But you cannot deny the fact there wouldn't be a Merle Haggard oh. without Hank Senior. You know what I mean? I know you're not that guy. The but whole body of work mm-hmm. of country mm-hmm. from the '50s, '60s, '70s mm-hmm. came from there. Mm-hmm. But without. Robert Johnson or Muddy Waters, there wouldn't be a Hank Senior. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. which is which is crazy. Now, very crazy when you think of it that way. I uh, hang on a second. Let me look here. Do you have a favorite blues band besides Stevie Ray? Uh, I like Junior Camborough. I like R.L. Burnside, Honey Boy Edwards, and I saw. Uh, I saw Honey Boy once, but I I, uh, I saw the Almond Brothers once. Really? Yeah, and they were at, uh, God, what was the name of that? Everybody in Sandstone Amphitheater. Sandstone Amphitheater, yeah. I like Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, John Lee Hooker, probably. John Lee Hooker. You know what You know what song I'm fixing to pop up real quick? What? Oh, yeah. That's like my theme song. Yeah, that's a When I was a kid, I had a, uh, I'm sure it was a VHS tape of uh, Distant Fast Sound and Thunder. Really? Yeah, and I can't remember where it was. Oh, my God. I wish I still had it. Distance, Sound of Thunder. Now, do you own a turntable? No. We gotta fix that. I know. I know my mom has a pioneer turntable. You see what's all Yeah. That sometimes you'll have to come over and we'll just hang out and have cigars and drink. Yeah. And a podcast and listen to some Oh dude, Floyd. They're tough to be Come on in here, boy, have a cigar. Yeah. So Well hey man, uh I think we're gonna wrap it up, but I cannot appreciate you enough for coming over and doing it. Dude, it's been a blast. I, I would love to you do would it. do it again sometime. Oh, absolutely. It's been yeah. awesome. And awesome, awesome, awesome. If I can't promise you anything else, I can promise you that if you come back, I'll have another cigar. Oh, and this was fantastic. You got a fan in this one. That's the Aquatine by Romacraft. Okay. Romacraft is one of my very favorite cigar makers. They're out of Austin, Texas. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Supports your locals. Right. And you know. the thing about them is, I mean, and they've caught on big time in the cigar community. Yeah. But the thing about it is they make such quality that, I mean, and you can go spend $10, $15, $20 on a cigar. And you're going to get probably a good cigar. But yeah. you also could spend that same amount and get a crappy cigar. Right. So before you go spend that kind of money, you want to learn your way up. Right. But the uh, Roma Craft, you're looking at like really around 7 to $10. Oh, that's... For a solid yeah. cigar. Oh, so, yeah. Big props to the uh, Roma Craft family. We really do enjoy having them. Texas made. That's super cool, right. man. So, anyway, thanks again, man. I appreciate it. It's been awesome.
and we will see you next time. Thanks for uh, joining us today, and until then, enjoy your smokes.